Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tats Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Davis Hambrick. He's the co-host of the Laying Foundations podcast. Davis, thank you. Thank you for uh, coming on the show. Man, thank you, Tats. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity, kind of like we discussed before. It's crazy that this medium allows us to get the get to meet each other, but I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come speak with you today. Hey, no, I you know, I appreciate you take the time to come on the show. All right. So looking back at your background, you're in building sciences. I usually usually like to ask, was that the original plan? You know, were there signs early years that, you know, this is the path that you're going to take? I'm sure there were signs that I follow it. I think that's a good question to really ask. But to think about how I got really into construction, it's a, a route like most people have, right? The route into construction is there's no way to define it. And for me, it was, you know, I started out going on mission trips when I was in high school, learned how to build with a team. I get to college and I go from, believe it or not, civil engineering, business school, liberal arts, to finally getting into building science because I had a great, good enough GPA then. But, you know, once I finally got in construction, I felt like, man, this is what I'm going to do. Like I knew right when I finally got into the team oriented, uh, the camaraderie that we have in construction. I just gravitate towards me. And the other thing is that every single day I get a, get the chance to be with people that are some of the most humble people I've ever met. And they're not going to brag about anything they do. But at the end of the day, they get to build the skyscrapers, the skylines of our cities. And it's just so cool to think that I just stumbled into construction, right? I wasn't prepared for it. I wasn't ready for it. Still not, never going to be. But to think that I just ended up in this crazy industry and I get to have the opportunity to do every day. I mean, I'm unbelievably thankful. Yeah. And, you know, in terms of a number of years, you're, you're new into the industry, but you've met a lot of different people. And I know you start, we, we talked, we started a podcast. How did that happen? I think there's a lot going on in my life at that time to where I was finally, I mean, going to the point where I was, I was very introverted, right? I'm an introvert, so I could be an extrovert. So at that point in my life, I was scared to death to, to start a podcast and begin to speak. But my aunt challenged me to, Davis, whenever you're in school or whenever you get to uh, have a job, like get really good at being uncomfortable in public speaking. And I said, okay, you know, what, what does that mean? Well, like anything happens on just that with a friend, you just meet up with a friend, you start talking and, you know, the passion start to come out. And I just asked Walker at that point over dinner, you know, Hey, would you be interested in doing a podcast? Didn't know what it was going to be about. Didn't know it was going to be construction. We just, we just went for it. And so ever since then, it's kind of just been us growing from me asking him a question. Would you want to start a podcast? <laughs> so you said something interesting because I'm a, I'm an introvert as well. So you said I'm an introvert so I can be an expert. Can you explain that concept to me? Yeah. So I'm going to ramble a lot about my aunt. My aunt, I owe a lot to her. She runs a leadership company in Decatur, Alabama. It's called Eagle Center for Leadership, but she brought me out of my shell. And so what she did was during one internship, actually during 2018, that summer, I was doing an internship and I got to live with my aunt and uncle. And she talked about 
these different personalities. They use a, a quadrant, you know, there's four quadrants and there's these four, they use different animals. And so these four different animals mean different things, but it talks about the task oriented and the people oriented people, and then the introverted side and the extrovert side. And, you know, from someone that's never heard of that before, I didn't know what she's talking about. Like, what are you talking about? Introvert, extrovert, task oriented? Like, what is this? And so she started to explain to me and show me what I was, what are my strengths, what are my weaknesses, and how I need to be able to do all four of these different personalities at different points. It just based off the person I'm talking to. If I'm talking to someone that's an introverted guy, I can get real into the weeds with them. I can talk real serious. I can talk about the details. But if I'm talking to a guy that just lives off a 30,000 foot view, like just high level everything, I really don't need to get into the weeds with him. So for me, to answer your question is I have to be an introvert. I have to come and think and process so that I can do this right here. Like I, I can't just show up tats and just ramble this stuff. I mean, there's a little bit of preparation for me, but I think preparation, it allows you to do really great things. But for some people like my co-host, my friend Walker, he just shows up and it just comes out. And it's just like, to me, it's absolutely magic. He just starts, someone asks him a question. He'll just think for like five seconds and he'll just ramble something out. And it's some of the most eloquent stuff you've ever heard. And I'm just like, how did you do that? Well, you know, God made him that way. But for me, I'm not like that. So I have to come back have to have my own time, have to be able to think. And so I have to be, I'm very introspective. So I have to really think so that I can, you know, really talk. Essentially, you need to be adaptable to the audience, right? right. So, so that you can communicate more effectively. That's right. And I mean, you could spend your whole life if you want to, I'm going to always bring it back to construction, but you can do this in your daily life. You can do this in whatever sector you're in. If you just spend time, getting to know the people and the personalities that you work with every day, you can spend the rest of your life doing that. But obviously we have to do a little bit. We have to do our own task, our own work that we have to take care of. But man, just the people side of construction, ever since she taught me what personalities were, it just started to change my world of, you know, how do I motivate that guy? How do I help that guy? How do I know when that person needs help? You know, what's the emotional intelligence about, myself, what do I do daily so I can think about this person beside me and know what they're going through, whether that's good, that's bad, how can I help them in whatever way, whatever that means. But I just think back to beforehand, I was probably always just introspective thinking about myself. You know, I wasn't thinking about how can I go be the person that I could be for someone else. I wasn't confident in who I was is what I'm really trying to say. And so my aunt taught me that. She said, you know, you were designed your own way. There's nothing wrong with how you're how you were made. So let's Let's just go ahead and etch that in the sand and just kind of move from it. And then you, you can help people. And so it's just crazy. Again, we st- I keep saying that. Think back to what if you commit to something and work at it and have the daily discipline, two, three years down the road, you look back and you've completely changed. And it's a good change. It's not the I'm a different person for the wrong reason. I'm a different person because someone spoke into my life and I had a relationship with someone that really cared about me and really wanted to pursue me. Yeah. Now, I, I get the introvert expert stuff, but you brought up the animals and I got to know about the animals. Okay. Tell me about the okay. animals. Okay. So the quadrant here is like, you know, your basically X, Y quadrant. So, so there's one, two, three, four. So the animals is a camel. I'm actually going to draw it out so I can actually remember. So there's a camel in the lower left. There's a turtle in the upper left. There's a monkey in the upper right. And then there's a lion in the lower right. And so... The camel turtle side, the left side is your introspective, introverted type of people. Mm-hmm. And your right side is your extroverted. Well, at the top, 
the turtle monkey side, that's your really your people-oriented side. And the lower side is your task-oriented people. So just how you base the quadrant off, I mean, you, it's kind of hard to imagine it because I'm just speaking. I didn't do a great job of explaining that, but a camel is introverted. They're really into the weeds. A lion is someone that is your, your typical go-getter, like, you better get out of the way because I'm coming. Like, I'm moving. The monkey is the guy that is great at having the party going. He's the, the person that can make anybody laugh. He knows when something else is wrong with someone else. And the turtle is, is the stereotypical person that does a lot of thinking. But when they speak, man, it's powerful. There's wisdom in what they say. And so that's just really quickly a really brief synopsis of all the different personalities. Awesome. And for you to come sort of, I don't know, I guess out of your shell with speaking and stuff, was that natural? Like you heard, you went through and stayed with your aunt and you were sold or was there some kind of like bumps along the road where, you know, the speaking stuff and you had to go through some stuff to, to get there? I think, you know, the answer, you know, if nothing in life is ever that easy, but there was definitely bumps around the road. I mean, there still is. I, I'm not, you know, I don't know who the top speaker would be in the world right now, but I, I'm not a top speaker of the world. So what does that mean? You have to just, again, go back to what she taught me was you have to be willing to be uncomfortable, get comfortable in being uncomfortable and just give yourself grace. Like that was the thing that I really needed to hear. My, my aunt kept telling me, give yourself room to fail. And I was like, what? I don't want to fail. Like, I, I can't fail. Why do I want to fail? But, you know, like, you know, Tats, I know you know this. It's not that you fail. It's how you pick yourself back up. It's how you grow from it. And I never, you know, never heard that. I was just got to be perfect. Got to have hundred percent. Like there's no room for failure. And so you learn the people that are willing to fail and pick themselves back up. Those are the people that are really progress and go far in this industry, especially with having a growth mindset. But to go back and answer your question, you know, I, I can think of just examples left and right of, you know, I get up in front of people. I, I go back to my last job in New Orleans and I was leading a safety meeting. And the first time I lead it, it's from a hundred men that know more about safety and construction than I, I do, right? So I'm getting there and I'm getting ready to talk to him. And my voice is super shaky. Like I'm barely loud enough. Like I'm super low. And, you know, I got done talking. And everyone said, hey, man, I appreciate you being willing to step up and speak. Oh, crap. I thought that was the hardest thing in the world. But I mean, after someone encouraged me, well, I just did it again and did it again. And I'm sure there were things I didn't say that were right or I didn't speak in, in, the, in the best tone or whatever it may be. But if you give yourself room to fail, and just say, hey, I'm going to get a little bit better at it. I'm going to get a little bit better at it the next time and just keep growing. That's what it's about. Yeah, for sure. Now, you said the podcast, you started off by saying, hey, let's just do something. And then right. it's refined over the episodes to where it's now. You know, what is your focus and what is the purpose of what you're doing there? Yeah, so our, our, our podcast is called the Lang Foundation's Podcast. Our mission statement is to equip the next generation of builders beforehand, you know, we just got started and we were just focused around the misconceptions of construction. We still are in a way, but, you know, what does the stereotypical person think about someone in construction? You know, if, if I go ask random people on the street, what are they going to say? Well, I don't know. Or maybe it's just people with a bunch of shovels, right? They don't know the, how big construction is, like how big your industry is. It's like, what is it? It's like three or 4% of our GDP in, of America. Like, and that's equal to 
equivalent to trillions of dollars. Our industry is so big. You can go from the people that build things to the material side, to the architects, to the designers, to the engineers, the owners. Like you could spend your whole life and never know enough about this industry. And that's one of the reasons I love it. I'm a, I'm a learner. But to go back and again, answer your question, the Lang Foundation's podcast we want to equip the next generation of builders. We are starting to see that most people in our industry are talking about the skilled labor gap, the age gap, but they're not doing things about it. There's people that are, but we want to be remembered as doers. We want to be remembered as people that when they look back on, you know, what what Walker and I did as a company and as a team, we want to be able to look back and say, hey, we pushed the needle and we helped these next generation of builders be equipped to go out there. There's so many people that, that get into our industry and quit the next day because, you know, they were led wrongly in an interview or they were told you're going to get this and actually got this. And, you know, maybe they didn't, they didn't have the emotional intelligence or, or the skills ready for that position. Well, what are some things that we can do week in, week out and help them grow to be that next generation of builders? Because Tats, when you really think about it, people talk about it, you know, in this next 10 years, we're just going to have a mass exodus of knowledge leader industry. And it's going to be extremely difficult for guys like me that are 25 and don't have 40 years of experience to build. Well, how do we do that? A lot of it of the model is being able to have the leadership skills to lead up to that person that probably doesn't really want to teach you. Like there's this stereotypical, you know, this is what the old generation is. And I think a lot of people want to put that person in a box of typical old rough and tough guy or gal. And really, if you spend time getting to know them, that relationship side, I talk about having the emotional intelligence and just wear them down by just asking them questions and being there and showing up and, and leading them and, and caring about them and, and just actually like have a heart for them. They'll want to tell you, they'll want to teach you. They won't keep their knowledge to themselves. And most people I mean, I'm guilty of it. If someone didn't speak into my, into my life and help me, I wouldn't have done it. But most people are willing to give up and quit right when it's about to get really good. And if there's anything with relationships, we know that they're messy, right? You, it's not built in a vacuum. It's tough. And so if you're never taught these leadership skills, if you're never taught how to have a little bit of times where stuff gets mad or you don't know how to work through an argument with someone, you don't know how to handle conflict, you don't know how to handle a good day, a bad day, then it's going to be hard in this industry, right? The construction industry is not built for everyone, but it, it is built for people that are willing to stick it out and have a little bit of grit after them. Like a joke about this, I'm like, I'm getting on a tangent, but I have this coffee mug. It says, get after it. Like that's just my, my nature. Like I want to get after it. I want to push people. I want to motivate them. I want to get them across the finish line. And it's not in a way so that I can look back and this is what I did, but it's because I care enough about my team and the people around me that I want to make them go for it. I want them to be able to remember, hey, that Davis guy, he really cared about me. He wasn't just a guy that just was blowing smoke, right? He really it genuinely wanted to help me in my career. And that's what I want to be remembered as. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned some of the the uh, equipping and sort of, I guess, emotional intelligence, caring, leadership skills. Are there any sort of other sort of things that companies or people newer in the industry need to keep in mind to be successful? And there's a lot. What are some of the good ones that, you know, because you've interviewed a, a bunch of different people. What are the sort of the tips and things that really stand out? Because I know when I do episodes, sometimes like, 
you come out, you're like, you feel like your brain has transformed because you heard something. So tell me one of those moments. Mm, that's a good question. I really like this question. What Walker and I do at the end of every episode, we usually end it with, what are some qualities you think a person coming into construction should have? And then what would you tell your 20-year-old self? That's how we end every single interview. So we've got an absolute gold. And so a lot of these qualities, I think there's like a, like a DNA of what it takes to be in construction. I think if you have these certain qualities in you, you're going to make it. Part of that being the grit factor that we talked about. It's if, Let me back up before I get into it. But people focus on construction. Of, Man, we got to have the best te- technology, the best tools, the best building materials. But like that's good. We, we want to. We want to be the best. We want to be known for innovating. Like, I get that. But to really push the needle, we have to care about our people. And so when I talk about this DNA, this makeup, we have to know that if these people don't have it, it's not that we should just kick them to the side and push them away. It's how do we help them get that? And so part of these things is, you know, you got to be a hard work ethic. Like that's the stereotypical one. But the one I really think about is you got to be a great listener. Like if you're not a great listener in construction, you're, you'll get by, you, you'll be in construction. There'll be nothing wrong with that. But if you're not a great listener and you're not really caring for what's going on, you're not understanding the complexity what someone's going through in their voice. I keep going back to the emotional intelligence side, but if you're not listening to hear what someone's saying to you, then you could live your whole life in construction of just, you know, letting stuff go by and you not really care. Like I think about all the people on the job site. I see so many people that when I talk to them, they're not really listening. They may act like nod their head, but you know, they're on their phone, they're doing something else. They're not giving me like the active listening skills. And so when they come back and ask me a question later and I speak to them about something and they're like, when did you tell me that? Well, you know, I was trying to tell you that, but you weren't really listening. And so you got to be a good listener. You got to have integrity. One of the biggest things is if you have integrity, any company will be willing to work with you. If they know that no matter what, they know that they can trust you when they're not around, that you're still doing the right thing. That That's a big one. They're going to hire you based off that. Another one I think is that you just have to be a problem solver and a people connector. So to be a problem solver, I think for most people, They think, well, if I don't know how to fix this problem, how am I going to solve it? Get it to what you can. If there's something going on and all you do is push the problem on to your supervisor, they'll take it. They're going to solve it because they know how to do it. But if you just give them that problem, they're not going to give you the next opportunity to go to the next place. So if you're not helping them going, okay, this is what I did. I called this vendor. I checked this subcontractor. He didn't have this in his contract. Well, this guy said that he covers this and this guy says that. And so you take them the information and show them, this is what I found out. And this is what the possibilities I think we can do. And you take them that and show them, this is the, the, the problem that I'm solving here. They might be able to go, okay, that's what we're doing. Or they might be able to go, no, but they're going to appreciate more that you came to them caring, willing to solve a problem. And so one of the last ones we talked about is just another quality is you need to be willing to, to receive feedback. I think a lot of it is we have a generation of people and I'm in that generation. So I'm talking to myself that at the first sign of adversity in a conversation, we get upset. We don't want to hear it. We walk away when we need to be willing to take a little bit of constructive criticism in the, in the standpoint of if you take someone's words to heart every single time, like if it's an insult, you're not going to want to be in this industry. I'll just tell you that. But if you 
take someone's thoughts, you start to think about what they said, and maybe it's an insult, maybe it's not. But if you take the, the constructive criticism and learn from it and grow from it, that's what, again, pushes you to that next level. And I keep saying, you know, this next level, what do you want to be in construction? That's what I often think about, right? So are you wanting to be the person that is okay with being at the same job you started in? And if that's what you want to be, that's great. Like we need people that are willing to do that and that's okay. But if you're the person that has a drive, that's willing to take steps to get better every single day, that it's a good listener, that's willing to take constructive criticism, that has integrity, this makeup about them, you're going to go very far in construction and you're going to be able to provide for a family and have a very successful life. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, being able to take feedback better, I guess, from your perspective of someone in their 20s. How about just the other side? You know, I'm in my 40s and I have to give feedback. What do I need to know to be effective, to bridge that gap, to make sure feedback is taken the right way as well? Wow. I think that's an amazing question. I appreciate you asking that. What I think about is most of the time when I think of a supervisor, most of the time what they do is, I mean, they'll just come in, ask you to come talk to them. And the first thing they do, they'll start naming all the things that you need wrong and need to fix. What I would appreciate, and most people do, is you know, you, you take a person, you start talking to them, and then you, you compliment them. I tell them something good that they've done. My, my aunt, I think, calls us the same. You compliment them, you critique them, you compliment them again. And you go and show them that person that you see the things that they're doing great. But hey, there's some things we need to work on, right? And maybe this isn't your fault. This could be my fault as a leader for not teaching you this. And so if you really have that model of you compliment, you critique, you compliment, I think that helps. But the other thing is what I just mentioned in that critique is that leader that, that knows this stuff and is trying to get you to, to learn it, they need to take a little bit of the responsibility and knowing that, hey, I probably could have been a little more attentive in that area, right? I know this stuff and I chose to give this to you and I pushed it on you. Let me help you work through it. I think so many people, doesn't matter what age, if you have anyone under you in leadership, we're just so willing to hand it to them and just, hey, take it and not really teach them and coach them and spend the time, which I know where you got busy schedules, right? Like everybody's got things to do. But if we just spend a little bit of time of actually investing in that person again, uh, teaching them about the things that um, could make them successful and how to fix just, you know, hey, spend five seconds actually caring and want to teach someone that helps. It helps me tremendously. I know it helps people in my age group. Yeah. So I guess taking ownership and then, you know, providing some teachable things, take the emotion out of it. And and, so the learning can occur. So you mentioned something else as well as part of that, which was connecting people. And I noticed, you know, before we went on air, you seemed to be a, a natural connector or you value connecting. Is that something that came naturally, like connecting people and stuff you did mention in that list? I'm just wondering, I know you find it something that you you like to do or you want to do, but I'm just wondering if it always came to you naturally. Yeah. I mean, I think growing up, I've always been a person that I don't know how to say this without seeming like I'm bragging, but I promise I'm not. I have a little bit of likability in the standpoint of, I don't care if if I have a group of friends and someone else thinks that this person's cool and I think this guy thinks that guy's cool, I don't care with, hey, here, you should meet him. Like, that's just been natural to me. And I think that's happened since I was a little kid. But now, since I'm older, the people connecting side is, I mean, if 
you just find the right person and ask the right question, that can accelerate your growth. That could be the thing you need to hear. That could help you whatever avenue that you're working with. And so I'm all about people. And I'm all about connecting them because like, like, again, you started to talk about sustainable products, man, I think about Casey Gray, man, that's perfect. That's going to work out. That's going to be a great relationship. And so how do we do that more often? Again, it has nothing to do with me. I just want to connect people because I care. I want people to realize that literally every single thing that I do, I hope it's not for me. I hope that I'm serving others and I'm helping them because when I leave this life, I don't want it to be again, as Davis Hambrick, I want them to feel that, Hey, he really cared about me again. And I just keep saying that because I really like I want people to know every single day that I care more about them than myself. And that sounds strange to hear, but that's just who I am. Put it all out there. You know, right. pull back. That's right. Wonderful. What is your vision with your podcast or anything? I mean, have you talked to all these people, some of them uh, with, you know, the middle of their career at the end of their career? I'm sure thoughts of your career kind of, you know, you, you reflect on it. Where do you th- see things going? Yeah, I think one day I would like to Walker and I run our own company. But in the the state right now, what we're working on is that those skills to help this younger generation. Could that be tomorrow? Well, if there's right opportunity, sure, it could be. But I think it's later down the road. But what that means right now is, you know, besides the podcast, we're working on a newsletter. We're working on courses. We're building an app. We're working on speaking. Like there's all <laughs> these things that have just been presented to us again because we just, man, we just met people that care and that are giving us these opportunities. So I think one day, hopefully sooner rather than later, Walker and I are going to get to do our own thing. But I'm going to be very a very good steward of my time for the company I work for now because the company I work for now, man, they, they've poured into me. They, they've blessed me so much. They They really... They've trained me, that they've given everything that they've got for me. And so I couldn't speak higher for coming to work for now. But as we grow and as we continue, Walker and I, I mean, I just see the future and this vision of I want to help these next generation of people coming into our industry. I want them to be able to be prepared as much as they can, right? We're never prepared all, all the way, but I want to prepare them for the, the leadership side, the emotional intelligence, the soft skills of this is how you need to be in construction. This is what's going to make you successful. And this is how we're going to change the industry. We're going to change the model from being a one guy do it all, that he's the leader of the job site to a team that really is making the whole job site better. We all have equal buy-in. We're all looking not to have the praise for ourselves, but together, that's how we're going to be great. And I think really that drive I've gotten from that is from football and playing sports. Like I never was a I don't know, I guess a tennis guy, like I'm not the single, I'm not a great athlete anyway, but to think that I'm not the myself guy, I'm about the team. And so I would do whatever I could for the next person beside me. And so I think that's just kind of, you know, that's what's made me to continue to grow about, man, why are we in construction? Why is it always about this one person? If, if he says something's right, it's right. If he says something's wrong, it's wrong. Why is that not the shared model where we have everyone with their knowledge and their wealth and bringing that to the table and we push that along? Yeah, sure. Well. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your knowledge. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, Tats. Thank you for listening to the Specify Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Tats Talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.